Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Thank you for being here tonight. For those of you who are watching, thank you so much for being here and tuning in. I'm excited to share what the word that God has for us today. And just a little bit about myself before we hop in. I've been here at Calvary for five and a half years. I grew up in Toledo, went to Toledo Christian High School, go Eagles, and then I went out to college, Central Bible College, Springfield, Missouri, uh, got a bachelor's degree there in church leadership, and then found my way here back and started working at Chick-fil-A in Perrysburg. Now, if you know anything about Chick-fil-A, it's got good chicken, but I knew God had a little bit more for me than making Jesus chicken, and so I, I came and, and Pastor Chad hired me here, and I've been so excited, so blessed to work here at the church, and uh, I also am married. My wife and I, Tanya, we are uh, coming up on our fifth anniversary. It's not good. I almost forgot my fifth anniversary. Uh, coming up on our fifth anniversary here in August. So we're excited for that. And here just on in the middle of quarantine on April's Fool's Day. So I don't know what God was doing, but we had our first daughter. Her name is Sayla. She's beautiful. She's precious. She looks nothing like me. And I praise God for that every single day. And so, <laughs> well, okay. But anyway, so having a kid, you know, I've been watching a lot of Disney Plus. Now, has anyone been on watching Disney, Netflix, something like that? Yeah. I'm sure you've been spending some time on your couch, eating some potato chips, watching some Disney. And it's been fun because now I have an excuse to watch Disney instead of just sitting there by myself and my wife judging me for watching it. And so I've been watching one of my favorite Disney movies is The Lion King. And so if you know anything about the story of The Lion King, I'm going to summarize it for you if you don't. And, and I'm sorry right now, they're spoilers. But Simba is the lion. He's the main character. And he lives in this place called the Pride Lands. And Simba comes across a situation where tragedy happens in his life. Now, spoilers, so close your ears, kids. His dad dies. He's been betrayed. And so Simba runs off into the desert and finds himself in a place of no worries, right? Akuna Matata, paradise, which Akuna Matata means? No All right, one more time, try again. No worries, right? So he finds himself in this place of bliss, and Simba is enjoying his life. He's using up his youth, living in Hakuna Matata. Until one day, literally, he runs smack dab right into Nala, the love of his life. She finds him, and he finds out that his pride lands are in trouble. And the only person that can help him, help the pride lands, is him. And so what do you think Simba does? He says, and eh, nah, girl, not for me, right? But then he has a conversation with his father who calls him to wake up, pay attention to what's happening, and go and take your rightful place. So what does Simba do? You have that epic scene of him running across the desert, and he goes and he saves the Pride Lands. And this is a story that speaks to me, and I think it's a story that speaks to a lot of us because of the power of taking your place and doing something to make a difference in a world that's hurting. And today, I want to walk you through the story, my summer Sunday school of Jonah. Now, if you're familiar at all with the story of Jonah, once again, I'm going to summarize it for you. There's a moment in Jonah's life where God says, wake up. He says, pay attention. There's something happening. There's these people, the Ninevites, and they need your help. And so this is what Jonah does. He's, he says, okay, God. And then he does the same thing as Simba. Actually, no. And he runs the whole opposite direction that he could possibly think of, which is a city called Tarshish. And as he's running away, a storm comes. The boat is almost sunk, and he gets tossed into the ocean. When he gets tossed up, he gets swallowed up by a giant fish, and he almost dies in the belly of a fish. And in that moment in the fish, he repents. 
So God says, all right, fish, you can let go of him. So he spits upon the shore. Jonah fulfills his call. Over 120,000 people were saved in that city because Jonah took his place. He answered that call to make a difference. But some things you might not remember, and at the end of the story, Jonah's mad. He gets angry. He's like, God, I knew that you would do this. I knew you would save them. But I, don't want, I didn't want you to save them. And so tonight, and, and through this message, I hope that you hear this. There's three types of Christians from this story that are living in this world that the world needs to take their place. There's three types of Christian that this world right now needs you to take your place. And the first is those who are asleep. Jonah 1-2 says this, it says, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. So this word, wake up, like this is the first thing God says to Jonah, he says, wake up. And this word, wake up, in the Hebrew is this word, kum. And it's more than just like waking up from a nap. It means to pay attention. It means to come onto the scene. It says, make your entrance in this story. It's time for you to step up and come out. And for some of you, you're asleep in your life, and God's telling you to wake up. There's hurt around you, and he's calling you to do something about it, but you're too busy sleepwalking through your life that you're missing out on the people that are hurting that are around you. And see, waking up is a painful, eye-opening experience to the struggle and the brokenness and the hurt in the world around you. And waking up takes a willingness to do something about it. See, waking up isn't just seeing what's happening. It's doing something about it. It's alleviating the suffering of the people around you. And when God called Jonah to wake up, he said, stop sleeping on this. I want you to help them. And I can understand. I can empathize with Jonah. Like, I can get why he wouldn't want to wake up. Because he's going to have to sacrifice what's comfortable for him. His home, his routines, the things that he's used to. And not only that, but he's also going to have to sacrifice his safety. Because what I haven't said about the Ninevites is that they are sworn, that's the capital of Assyria, and Assyrians are the sworn enemies of the Jewish people. So he's going to go to the people that are going to put him at risk. that are going to harm him. And finally, he's going to have to sacrifice his own preferences. And what you, what you find from this story is that Jonah just plain old doesn't like him. Which to me, I've always found funny that God called him to the very people that he doesn't like. He's like, you know those people that you hate? Those are the ones that I want to save. Those are the ones that I want to use you to reach them. And it's no surprise because here's the thing. Jonah would have heard stories about how the Assyrians had attacked Jewish people. He would have heard the horrendous stories about the tragedies that they brought upon his own people. And he would say, God, why would you want to save them? They're persecuting the people that you love. Now I have this question about, for you guys. How, how many of you guys are parents out here? Who's a parent? Yeah, wave your hand. If you're online, wave at me. I'm waving back. Now, have any of you had a kid who ever sleepwalked in your house? Anyone have a kid that's ever sleepwalked and did something destructive to your property? Anyone? Well, I've heard this story of someone that their kid sleepwalked this long time. So there's this kid. He was eight or nine years old, and uh, he was sleeping. But he decided, you know, i got to use the restroom. So he gets up, and he starts walking to the bathroom. But what happens is instead of walking to the bathroom, he kind of veers off into the kitchen. And he thinks, hmm, I don't know what the kid's thinking, but he's probably like, oh, hey, look, it's nice here. Opens the fridge and decides to do his business in the fridge. 
So his parents rush in and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm going to the bathroom. You know, I'm, I'm just hanging out here. And his parents are like, you're peeing in our fridge. They didn't even know that that's what's happening. And so the parents had to throw away all the stuff. I'm sure they threw away the fridge. I'm sure they never used the fridge ever again if it was me. But what's crazy about this story is that the kid was bringing destruction upon people he loved, and he didn't even know he was doing it. And when you're asleep as a Christian, you sometimes are bringing destruction to the people around you, and you don't even know you're doing it. And what's interesting about the Ninevites and why I think God said, go save them, is because he's like, they don't know any better. They haven't heard my word. They haven't been called by name by me yet. And Jonah, you're the one that I want to spread that message to them. See, they were unaware of the destruction that their actions were taking them. And the Assyrians in Nineveh needed to be woken up. So the question is, how do you wake up from a sleepy life? Well, the first thing you got to do if you're going to wake up from a sleepy life is you got to open your eyes. You got to open your eyes and see the world around you. Now, it seems like common sense is like, yeah, you wake up from a nap, you open your eyes. That's the first thing you do. But you have to see the pain and the suffering around you. God will give you something that draws your attention that might not even draw other people's attention. You see that suffering, you see that pain, you see that person who's struggling. And God opens your eyes, you're the one to reach them. Don't stay asleep to that. So open your eyes. The second thing is you got to listen for the need. Right? It wasn't enough for Jonah to just wake up. He had to hear what God was calling him to do. And if you don't know where to start, start in your proximity. There might be someone around you in your family that's hurting. You might have a, a, a coworker that you know is going through a hard time, and you're like, man, someone should really reach out to that person. Maybe that person's you. See, if you want to listen to the needs around you, pay attention. Start in close proximity, and ultimately it takes that first step. Now, I realize in the story of Jonah, Jonah ran the opposite direction, right? His first step was exactly in the wrong way. But he did open his eyes, he listened to God, and he took a step. And God was able to use that action to lead him in the right direction. And I wonder how many Jonas there are that never existed because they didn't take the first step. How many stories could be in the Bible over and over again of people who reached out to those that despised them or that they despised that isn't there because they never woke up. And for those of you who find yourself asleep, I want to encourage you, open your eyes to what's happening around you and the suffering around you and take responsibility to do something to help one person. Do something to alleviate the suffering around you. So how can you start to wake up and take that first step? Here's a couple of just practical things you can do. Take a greater responsibility in your family. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's your cousin, your aunt, your uncle. Take responsibility for someone. Second thing you can do is lead your children in the knowledge of God. That's something simple you can do to wake up and take a step. Something small to get you going. You can fix your marriage that's falling apart because you're just being passive and bitter towards each other, right? And that gets a little real. <laughs> but take that first step. Maybe you need to open your eyes to the people on your job, people who are nuisances or maybe annoyances to you, and change your perspective about how you see them. Because those nuisances and annoyances in your life could be people that God's calling you to reach. See, waking up and seeing a suffering around you and taking action to bring hope and, comf and comfort to that suffering. And even those you despise the most 
are probably the people that God wants you to reach the most. So I, I challenge you with this. Hear God's voice and wake up from your sleepwalking apathy. Stuck in a default setting. Lost in a trackless sea of apathy, I can barely breathe. As I'm surrounded by depravity, living from distraction to distraction, losing traction, the very faith to which I claim to cling. Longing for a fulfillment that nothing seems to bring. Feeling the lack of something along my path, something essential leaving me off track. There seems no hope around me, surrounded by faces but lonely, with no connection, and living a lie of deception. There should be more than what's on this dreary horizon. My heart beseeches me to discover more than the shallow speech set before me, presented in a pretty package of popularity that advertises solidarity, although I find it to be meaningless, without depth and gravity, leaving me with a sense of tragedy. There's something more to be had than this shell of a life in this disengaged state without the intentionality of Christ. I know there is more, but I'm trapped feeling poor when I know I should soar in him. It's time to break the default setting because I've been living on empty for too long, searching for something I feel like I don't belong. I refuse to sing the song of my culture that celebrates scrolling, using many words to say nothing at all, conveying no meaning but demeaning others who should be our brothers. It's time for the renewal of the mind, a reallocation of the minutes, hours, and days, no longer wandering in a haze, but instead time to be set ablaze. Ablaze with the consciousness to catch the countless opportunities in all my days. But not lost in a daze or stuck in a maze or walking through the same familiar place arriving from the same ways. No. Ways to change. See, an astounding embrace of grace enlightens my face as I realize the futility of the old rat race. It's time to be intentional to break the pre-established convention unconventional, to live a life that dares to be bold, sold on the belief that being present is key, and ultimately, it's his presence that fills me, be in the moment that he has placed me, see the abundance around me, agree to rebel against the modernity which has dirtied the purity of our spiritual maturity, hiding in obscurity our security in the king of all kings who brings together all things. It's finally time to make the most of my blessings. Time to stop wasting chances to learn my lessons. Time to aspire to more than the approval of man. Time to make Jesus Lord and take a stand. I step out of the sea of apathy with intentionality. Man, that's that's awesome every time. That's Caleb. He's one of our recent graduates at CSM. Just one of the many talented students that we have. And and tonight, today, I want to challenge you with that idea. Some of us as Christians are falling asleep, and we're stuck in a default setting where we sit at homes, scrolling on our phones, and not doing the things that God has called us to do, not taking the steps that He's calling us to step. And this isn't a challenge of condemnation. This is a challenge of hope that there's so much more to your life than being stuck where you're at. And that's the hope that I hope you find from Jonah today is that there's so much more to your life than being asleep and doing nothing. So if you find yourself asleep tonight, if you find yourself asleep, take courage 
God is waiting for you to wake up, and there are people in your life who are waiting as well to bring that hope to them. But this message today is not just for those who are waiting, who are falling asleep, but also for those Christians who are running. But today I want you to remember, if you're running, stop and remember God. If you find yourself running in your Christian faith, running like Jonah was, stop and remember the Lord before the circumstances in life will force you to stop. And we see that in Jonah's story because he's running away from God. He's on the boat. He's on the ship. And then a storm comes into his life and it causes him to stop everything. And the only way to get out of this storm for him was to be thrown overboard. And I'm sure along that journey when Jonah was paying for the boat and when he was hopping on the ship and when he was sailing in the opposite direction, moment after moment he had chances to turn around and stop running. And eventually it took tragedy to make him to stop. Today, if you're running from God, I don't want you to wait until tragedy strikes your life or hard times come for you to stop and remember the Lord. Stop running today. And for, any, for many of us, the life circumstances that we find us, ourselves in has caused us to stop. COVID and what it's brought into our life has caused our lives, for many of us, to slow down, for things to be lost, for jobs to be uh, stalled. And God's saying, these are the moments where you can find me again. This is an opportunity for you to stop running from the one who's calling you to something more in your life. And see, the only way Jonah was going to stop running, unfortunately, was that collision with tragedy. And there's this guy, he's, he was this artist, he was born in 1937 in England, and his name is Sargi Mann. You can look it up if you want, and he was one of those pretty popular artists there in the early 30s, 40s, 50s in England. And what's interesting about him is he's one of the few artists that actually sell their art when they're alive, which is, you know, I hear a rarity, I don't know, I'm not an artist. But in his mid-30s, in the prime of his career, he started to lose his eyesight. Images that were once clear started to become blurry and then non-existent. And over the span of six to seven years, by the time he was about 42, he had no sight at all. And in this moment, Sergeant Mann had a decision to make. Will I give up? Will I turn back? Will my loss of sight affect my art? Or will I persevere? And you can probably guess what happened since I'm sharing this story, and it's that he started to innovate how to do art. So using telescopes, microscopes, he innovated technology, and he continued to learn how to do art through touch, which I don't know how you feel how color, but I don't know, that's pretty good. He found out a way to continue to do his career instead of allowing the tragedy that he found himself in to stop him. And for some of you, I am confident that you find yourself in a tragic situation even now, or you have been in one, or you're going to be in one. And those rock-bottom, belly-of-the-fish moments that you find yourself in will define your life. The decisions you make in those rock-bottom, belly-of-the-fish moments will define your life. And for Sergeant Mann, he made the decision to persevere. He made the decision to not give up, but to keep pushing in. And I want to give you a couple steps that you can take if you hit rock bottom. And I don't even want to say if, when you find your life at rock bottom, like Jonah who's tossed in the sea, swallowed in a fish, he's in the stomach being digested by fish juice, which sounds gross. What, how do you respond in those moments? The first thing, remember the Lord in your suffering. This is what Jonah did. 
in chapter 2, when he's in the belly of the fish, he says this. He says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you, God, in your holy temple. And I, I kind of like the, the Hebrew. And so the Hebrew for this word was zakar. And this is the word for remember that we use. And what it means is not just to like think about. It means to look back over your life, examine and ponder what God has done behind you. To really look at the things that he's done and allow that to remember how he's brought you through it. Because when we're stuck in a tragic situation, oftentimes what happens is we get focused on now. And we get focused on our pain and our despair and how we're stuck. And God says, in that moment, remember Look back. I was with you then, and I'll be with you now. And you know, when I, when I was at my grandparents growing up, they had this picture uh, on the wall. And I always thought it was the cheesiest thing. Honestly, I probably made fun of it sometimes. But it was this poem that was on a plaque, and it's called Footprints in the Sand. And the whole idea of this poem, if you're not familiar with it, is that it's a man at the end of his life, and his whole life is represented by the footprints in the sand behind him. And he's at the end of his life and he's talking to God and he says, God, I'm looking over at my life and in my hardest moments, why was there only one set of footprints? Why have you left me? Did you, why did you abandon me in those moments? And Jesus responds with just a simple thing. He says, in your hardest moments, I didn't abandon you. I was carrying you. And in your hardest moment that you find yourself right now, you're going to feel alone. And you feel like God left you. He's forgotten about you. And no wonder you're running away. But God says, I haven't left you. I am carrying you through this circumstance and through this situation. So you remember the Lord in your suffering when you're at rock bottom. You repent of your running. And the last thing is you repent of your running. John 2.9 says this. He says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord Alone. So it's not just enough to remember, you have to repent. And when I think about the idea of repentance, I think about the, the story of the prodigal son. But I think about it from the perspective of the father. Because in that moment when the son, he ran away, he disappointed his dad, but he's on the path coming back. I could think about how it, in the father's eyes, he's so excited that the son's coming back. He's so excited to have relationship with him again that it doesn't matter what he's done what he's been through, what matters is that he's repented and came back. And no matter how far you've been running in your life, how far from God you think you are, as soon as you turn around and point back to him, he's standing there smiling, waiting for you to repent and to come back. Just like he was waiting for Jonah in the belly of the fish to repent. He's waiting for you in the rock bottom moments when you're running from him to come back, turn your eyes back to him and repent. And finally, when your life hits rock bottom, you got to trust God to make a way. At some point, Jonah can repent, he can remember, but he's still in the belly of a fish. What's kind of funny is that in, in that chapter, Jonah talks about how there's seaweed wrapped around his head. And, and for me, I don't know, it just, it was like a funny visual, you know, like there's wet, nasty seaweed wrapping around his face, like slimy in his ear. And I'm like, oh, that's so gross. And he's at the place of almost dying. And in that moment, he had to trust that God could get him out of that. And if you know the story, that's what happens. He repents, and this fish spits him out. And so Jonah responded to the Lord's call 
and he took his place at Nineveh. So for some of you, you're asleep. God's saying, wake up. For some of you, you're running, and God's saying, stop and remember me. For the last of you out here today, and, and those of you who are joining us, there's some of you that are just growing frustrated. And the world needs those Christians who are getting frustrated to take their place as well. And so we have this awesome experience. 120,000 people are saved. Jonah preaches the gospel. Chapter 3, you can read it if you want. And then chapter 4, the first thing that happens is Jonah gets upset. And you can see it says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. People were saved. Lives were changed. And Jonah's response was anger. Jonah's response was frustration. And there's been times where I've beat this up in my mind, trying to figure out how in, in the proximity of a great thing happening that Jonah could also be so frustrated. And just in, in something that a, a few months ago, something that I love to do is to play disc golf. And so ever since our kid was born and the whole COVID thing happened, like I wasn't able to go outside. And so there was this huge moment for me when I was able to finally play disc golf. Now, if you don't know what disc golf is, you have a disc, you throw it in a basket, it's golf. Right? It's not complicated, and I'm cheap, and it's free, so that's why I like it as well. And so I'm going, I'm playing disc, I'm so excited to do this. And so I go, I walk out to my car. Now, mind you, I haven't used my car in a couple months, and I go to turn it over. Click, 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 click. You know, it didn't start. So I'm like, all right, I go back inside. I'm like, Tanya, I know the baby's crying, but I need your keys, you know. So I go in there, I get the keys. You know, I'm trying to get out of the house with the baby crying, which probably doesn't make me look very good. So then I go out there, I get the cars, I jump my car. I head to the park, I go play the best round of disc golf that I've ever played, I think. It was because it was the first time in forever. Play the best round of disc golf I ever played, and then I come back to my car. Now you could probably guess what happened when I got to my car. It wouldn't start. It didn't turn over. And I was frustrated because I was like, all I want to do is go hang out, play some disc golf, which was fun, and then get back home with my wife and my kid and win turnover. So then I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to have to bother. You know, I don't want to bother these people around me like this pandemic and COVID, and I don't know if they're sick. They don't know if I'm sick. It would be kind of weird if I came up to me and, like, started talking to random people at the park. So I tried to call my wife. No answer. So I tried to text her. No answer. 20 minutes I'm trying to get a hold of her. No answer. So now I'm just like frustrated. I'm at my steering wheel. I'm like grumbling. I'm like, oh, she's going to use the kid as an excuse. You know, like I'm like so mad. But I can't be mad at her because obviously that's a priority. Our, kid, our baby's like less than two months old. So that's obviously the priority. So I'm like, all right, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? Well, I don't want to bother any of my family. They live kind of far away. So I'm like, all right, I'll call AAA. We have AAA. And I promise I'm getting somewhere with this. So I call AAA and... They ask me where I'm at, go through all the questions, spend about 10 minutes on the phone, and they're like, oh, hey, uh, your name isn't on here. Is your wife with you? So I'm like, no, my wife's not with me. They're like, well, since your name isn't on the account, uh, I'm going to have to charge you 125 bucks to jump your car. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I, I hang up on her semi-politely, and I'm like, oh, now I'm super frustrated. I don't know what to do. And, and it made me realize how easy a good situation can turn into frustration. And it made me understand and empathize with Jonah. A situation that was so great turned into a moment of frustration. And just so you're not hanging out here, I ended up getting a hold of my wife, and she ended up picking me up, and we got to figure out. And I went and bought a battery right away, so don't worry about that. 
But for those of you, you might be able to relate to this. You're broken down. You're frustrated in your faith. You feel like nothing's working. You've answered the call. You've followed God. You've tried to take your place. You've just hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and now you're dead on the road in your faith, and you're stuck. God still wants to use you even though you're frustrated. God still wants to use you in the midst of your frustration. He wants to use you beyond that frustration. He's going to make a way for you as a Christian who's frustrated to make a difference in this world. And there are many, many reasons I can think of why we can get frustrated in this world. There's many, many reasons when I examine my own life why I get frustrated. But I think what it comes down to is our, our expectations and then what happens in our life. And they don't meet. Maybe your life is not meeting your expectations. You thought God was going to do this and this and this. Or you thought you were going to do this and this and this. Or you thought your family was going to do this and this. And your life is just not meeting its expectations. There's people in your life who aren't meeting your expectations. And when we really get into a, a stuck place of frustration, God isn't, meeting your fr- or God isn't meeting your expectations. And that's where Jonah was. He didn't want those people to be saved. But God still saved them when they repented. And I want to encourage you with this. If you find yourself frustrated, small adjustments to your life will take you from frustration to fulfillment. You might have just gotten off the path just a little bit. You might have just drifted just that tiny little bit. But when you drift over time, it becomes a lot. And there's a naval idea about charting a course. And what this naval idea says is that it's called the 1 in 60 rule. And it says for every one degree that you find yourself off course, in 60 miles you'll be a mile off course. So it doesn't seem like a lot. One degree can get you a mile off. But if you start going thousands of miles, just that one degree starts becoming hundreds of miles off course. And for you, small adjustments can get you right back on course. It doesn't necessarily have to be a huge change if you're frustrated. Maybe you're not satisfied with your connection with God. Try something new. Your connection with God has become frustrating or it's causing you anger. Try something new. Maybe your home is no longer a place of peace for you. Do something to create peace in that situation. Maybe you have that coworker that I referred to earlier, the nuisance and the annoying one. Maybe they are causing you so much frustration. I'm not saying I have any coworkers here that make, make me frustrated, but for you, those who have caused frustration, maybe it's just a little bit of a perspective change. Maybe it's just seeing them in a different light. Maybe it's just reminding yourself that they're also God's creation and their child, and they need the hope that you have. See, if you're frustrated with your world, maybe you just need to do something and take that first step. I truly believe when you're asleep, you need to wake up. When you're running, stop and and remember. But when you're frustrated, make those small changes and take your place. Do that thing that God has only called you to do. Don't be the Jonah that's never remembered. Be the Jonah that took the first step. So your life is always dependent on the small changes that you make over time. Your life will drastically change when you turn your frustrations into following God. See, the world will be changed as a result of what you do. 
when you take your place, when you make a difference, there, the Nineveh in your life is waiting for you. That group of people that no one else has to reach, they're waiting for you. And so if you're a Christian that's asleep, wake up. And if you're someone who's running from God for one reason or another, you find yourself in a rock bottom place, remember him and stop. And if you're just frustrated, like God, I've tried before, I don't wanna do it again. Remember him, he will make a way. And that's why I love the song that we started, that we had and the song that we're gonna be ending with here. And it's Waymaker. God wants to make a way in your life. And so if you wanna stand with me, I wanna end with this song. And while you're singing this song, I want you to think about the thing in your life that you feel stuck in. I want you to think about the thing that you feel like God is calling you to do. Maybe the first step that you can take. And I want you to focus on that thing. And say, God, you're the only one who can make a way in this situation. You're the only one who can come through for me in this situation. And God, I need you to be the way maker. And with that in mind, can we raise our hands together? God, we invite you to be our way maker. Lord, we ask you to break through. Lord, we ask that we would take our place, Lord, that you would make a way. Lord, I pray that those who are asleep will wake up. Those who are running will come back. Lord, those who are frustrated will find new fulfillment in you. And Lord, that lives will be changed with the power in your presence. Lord, we ask this.
Father, as we are here together, Lord, acknowledging in our moments of frustration, in our moments of running, Lord, in, in our moments of confusion, we know that you are the way maker. You are the one who is with us in every moment. The one who has created and, and designed a plan for each of our lives. You are the one who, are, who is working things out for the good of us. And Lord, we take this moment to thank you. Lord, for how gracious you are and how great you are. Lord, we acknowledge how much you are working for us. And Lord, I pray for every individual who heard this message, who is challenged by your word, that Lord, their lives would be different from this moment forward. That Lord, those, those moments and those times of frustration would not be the things that consume them. That it would not be the things that might define them. But God, they would find their identity in who you have called them to be. Lord, we are so thankful that we can be called your sons and daughters. And so Father, as we wrap up, as we go from here, Lord, we pray that you would send us with your love. God, that you would lead us in the direction that you have. And Lord, we ask all of these things in your holy name.